Hello, everybody. This is Kendra D. St. Aubin with Minnesota United, and today we are doing a very special podcast highlighting National Girls and Women in Sports Day, which is February 2nd. This uh, fabulous day began in 1987, and it was really just all about highlighting women and girls in sports and their desires to be better, to be stronger, to be equal um, in those environments and highlight kind of really the, um, oh gosh, I, I would call it the, the energy that was around women and girls in sports and just wanting to be included. So this was started in 1997 and this is also a very special year because it's also the 50th anniversary of Title IX, which we will get into quite a bit. So uh, a really special day where we can highlight that. And I have two incredible guests with me today as well to talk about their journeys through sports. The head coach of women's soccer for University of Minnesota, Aaron Chastain, joins me, as well as the CEO of Minnesota United, Sherry Ballard. And so first of all, thank you both for joining me here today on this incredible day where we get to delight and share and enjoy of excitement of what this means for women and girls in sports. Thanks, Kendra. Hi, Erin. Hi. Hi, Sherry. <laughs> Thanks, Kendra. I think it's awesome that as an MLS organization, you're choosing to highlight this wonderful day and women in sport. And I'm, I feel honored to be sitting alongside Sherry. I don't feel honored. I feel stressed out <laughs> sitting across from two, uh, two former and probably current excellent athletes and people who have spent their whole life in this space. So I will try to hold my own. Yeah. Well, we know you. You've got You've got your own thing going on over there in the sports world, and I know we've talked a lot about uh, your current, uh, gosh, what do we call it, like kind of your excitement and your path that you go down now, and we've talked a lot about cycling. We've gotten into that realm lately, but I, I really do want to talk about what it means for you two and what it means for all three of us to be highlighting the national girls and women in sports. And I think it's important because sometimes I feel like it, we talk about women in sports, but what does that mean for girls in sports that are coming up? What was your pathway growing up? How was sports inspired in you? Maybe what challenges that were presented to you along the way? And I remember as, as a young girl, I have one brother and he's three years older than me. And my dad and my brother and I would go outside and we'd be like, hey, let's play hot box. Let's play lightning. And my dad would always say, you can stand, you know, three feet closer than, than your brother and, and myself to shoot free throws. And I feel like that from a very early age was like, absolutely not. I'm going to stand where you guys stand. That's and awesome. so it, it's crazy because I was included in everything by, by my dad and my grandpas. But at the same time, there was always these little edges that they were trying to give us. And I feel like that's a microcosm sort of of what sometimes women in sport and how we are maybe thrown into the mix right from the beginning. Do you guys have any experiences similar to that? Well, I, I mean, I, I I think absolutely. I think um, the growth that we've had since I was a young athlete up until now has been incredible. Um, I grew up with three brothers and they played hockey and I didn't play hockey. So we didn't really practice together other than racing each other in the driveway or, you know, playing tennis or playing other sports. But I think um, for me, the, the biggest thing has been watching this evolution of these incredible females dominating their their industry and sport right now that didn't exist that much when when I was an athlete and I think that's been what I've been most excited to see is just all these women coming out of the woodwork and being outstanding in their profession in sport whether it's you know running an a major league baseball team or being a CEO of an MLS team and really just capable, amazing women. So I think my experience as an athlete, um, 
I probably looked most up to the U.S. Women's National Team, and they were probably the most present role models that I can think of. Um, and now to look at all the role models, from co- collegiate role models to high school role models to industry role models and CEOs, I think there's just so many more people for young girls to look up to, and I think that's what I like the most. I mean, I, I grew, I love sports. I mean, I love sports of all kinds. And like one of the best parts of this job, I mean, you, and you're seeing it because we spent some time together, but I'm learning soccer. I didn't grow up with soccer. It was not available uh, in, I mean, it wasn't even available as a sport to me when I was a kid. So like at this stage of my life to be able to learn a new sport, that in and of itself is a gift. It's completely awesome. But sports have been, they've been present in my life. Um, I mean, from the beginning. So I have, I grew up in a super small town. Um, and the, the only sports really available kind of like community sports in the summer was softball. And so my sister and I both got into that very, very early. Like I remember playing in the yard and yard is a little bit of a stretch, but playing in the grassy space between our house and our neighbor's house, all the kids around the block played boys, girls played, um, you know, our parents would sometimes come out and, you know, pitch and play with us. And I mean, every day there was some kind of pickup game going on um and then as I got into school and you know had access to more sports to play I played sports the whole time I was going to school and I think I've said this a lot you know looking back on it I just learned so much about leadership playing sports I mean in most of I think every single sport I played was a team sport I mean you mentioned earlier I cycle a bit now but and I play golf but every other sport was a team sport I just think you learn a lot about you know, how to appreciate other people's talents, and you learn to appreciate your own. You learn what you're good at, what other people are good at, how to put that in combination, you know, in a way to win. Um, I think you learn how to give peer feedback. You learn how to get peer feedback. You learn what accountability means. Um, You know, you learn to be part of something. You get to be part of something bigger than yourself. There's just so much that um, even as I got into my career, I found myself maybe not consciously thinking about it at the time, but just drawing on the, the lessons and the things I learned from, from playing sports. And, you know, so for me, that aspect has been, I mean, I can't even imagine what my life would look like if it didn't have sports in it, you know, both playing it directly and then participating and watching sports with other people, you know, friends, family that you love, like almost all of the best memories of my life in some way involve sports and participating in sports or watching sports with with other people so in that in that way it's kind of hard sometimes to even imagine what it would have been like growing up prior to title nine maybe or in an era like my mom's quite athletic but there were I mean no sports at all for her growing up and so just the idea you know that in you know kind of one or two generations it's come you know, this far. I mean, we were all at the women's national team Mm -hmm. game earlier this season. And just to see a sold out stadium um, and just, you know, fans from everywhere, boys, girls, every part of the community, you know, all as one cheering on the women's team was, um, yeah, it's just, it's very amazing. Yeah. And I think um, when you think about the different paths that we've all taken and, and regardless of whatever industry you've come through or come from, there's different things, and, and sometimes you don't know what you don't know. 
You know, I mean, people may thrust certain things upon you or certain ideas of what a woman or a girl should be doing or where what role they should be playing. And But if you didn't grow up that way or if that was not the, the surrounding that you found yourself as, as a young girl in, you get to then sometimes these older, these adult situations or jobs and you didn't even know it was a thing. So you just go in like right. confident, head held high. And I think that... And all the things that I've done along the way, meaning like going and talking to different groups, whether it's Girl Scouts or whether it's, you know, Girls on the Run or whether wherever it might be, ACEs, like just really trying to instill that you, you just walk in with your head held high and with the confidence that you belong there, that this is your space. So if, if those young girls, as they continue to grow up and come through, that's all they know, you know, there is no second guessing. And I think about now as a broadcaster, you know, I, I love all the women that have come before me as what in whatever role, whether they were a reporter or whether they are a play-by-play or an analyst. And every single one of them says, the best day will be when this isn't a big day. Like, you know, Kate Scott is now, the I think she's with the Philadelphia 76ers play-by-play television. Lisa Byington doing the Milwaukee Bucks. Both women that I've worked with in different regards and we have people that are well before them you know that have really paved the way and they all are like honored to be highlighted that they are doing this job but at the same time the best day is the day when it's not even news anymore they are just the best person for the job in that moment and I think back to um you know when I started as a as a reporter back when I was like 23 and the first time you walk into that dugout or you walk into that clubhouse or you walk into the locker room or into that press box and you know you just kind of walk in with your head held high and you know your stuff and you're confident you and you belong in that space and I think it's um, it's a totally, it sets off a totally different tone to the group around you as far as how they respect you and, and, you know, embrace you into that sort of culture that maybe was a little bit more, is a little bit more masculine. When you came through the coaching ranks, Aaron, and when you were a player clearly, but then how did you find that transition into coaching? Did you find that easy challenging what were some of the hiccups along the way or you know maybe roadblocks that you found just even just if it has to be being a female in that space how did you navigate that and what would you say to maybe you know others that are listening young young females that want to do the same thing well I think the interesting part and you you both kind of touched it touched on it a little um I was fortunate because growing up I had all male coaches in soccer um and some great ones you know Mm -hmm. I still talk to to this day but um, when I went to college I had a female coach and she was my first female coach ever (laughs) and it was different and I loved her and I thought she was awesome and she was competitive and tough but super honest and I think that experience playing under her really showed me wow you you could be a coach. She's doing it. You know, I I think it's the cheesy saying kind of like, if you see it, you can be it. Mm -hmm. And from there, my, my first job was at Northwestern university for a whopping $6,000 a year, (laughs) um, under another female head coach. That That was in 1999. And that was still only six grand a year. It was, it was part-time. Um, Although it was full time, but it was, it, they said it was, was part time. Part time for There's sure. no coaching job that's part time. <laughs> and I, I remember sure. telling my dad because I had a, I had had a full time job in advertising in Minneapolis, and I, I just it wasn't what I was gonna do. And 
So he's like, don't quit your job before you have another job. Great advice from dad. <laughs> and I quit my job and didn't have another job. And then just happened to be working a camp and met uh, Marsha McDermott, who was the head women's coach for Northwestern at the time, and watched her run a session. And I was like, I want to do that. She's amazing. She was so charismatic and her players loved her and she was so smart. And she had played at North Carolina and you know, played for the national team. And I just thought she was the best thing and left that camp. And she called and said, Hey, I have an opening for a part-time assistant liked you at camp. And I was like, I'm doing that. And I remember telling my dad the salary and he was like, okay, <laughs> but you know, I always told you, you'd be great at coaching. So, um, so that was my first Turned job. out he was right. It, <laughs> I know. I think he, he reminds me of that. Um, but I think just being that exposure, I was fortunate because I had that really early on. So I don't think I ever felt like a minority in coaching as much as maybe some people do um, because I had these strong women that were role models for me in my chosen career. And then I was able to, you know, be an assistant coach at Santa Clara and then at DePaul. And now I'm obviously the head coach here. And I think I'm still the minority in coaching. I was just going to ask you, when you walk into a room, like let's say you go to the um, the NSCAA, you know, coaching convention or something, and they have all these different rooms, you can go to these different things. And like, do you ever feel, is there like a, a weird, uh, not I shouldn't say a weird vibe, but you know what I mean? Like a different vibe or is it, is it just like a a community feel? Like what, what does it feel like when it is still probably even in college coaching where it's, women's teams, but it's majority of male coaches. Does I think I, when I think about when I walk into a room, I always put it in recruiting terms when I'm sitting on the sideline at a big tournament recruiting. Perfect example. And I look down the sidelines, it's still mostly men. Mm -hmm. I do see more women now. And I think I'm proud of that because they're capable women. You know, I, I think um, they're capable, great coaches that are joining the ranks because I think they've seen, wow, I can have a family and coach. I can be a female and coach. And obviously, the more they've seen those people being successful in that role, I think gives them some belief that, hey, I can do that if, if I want that as a profession. So certainly still the minority. But if I look at the Big Ten coaches, we have you know, half female coaches in the Big Ten for women's soccer, which I'm very proud of because I think we do a great job. And I think our players love seeing us in that role. And, and again, we're sending them the message that, hey, it might not be coaching that you want to get into, but you can be a leader in whatever your chosen field is. And I think that's the tone I love to set with our team. And again, maybe some of them will be coaches because they've seen – that our staff has a lot of females on it and and that can be a career path and you can be successful and earn a great living doing that and be fulfilled but they also might run a company and they might you know manage a sports team or be a broadcaster and I, I, I think it's been so inspiring for me to see all these successful women in different industries just getting it done. I think to the um, point you raised a minute ago about your own experience you know of and coming into a space where you look around and you don't, you know, you don't see people that maybe on the surface look, you know, a lot like you. I think there's kind of, there's two sides to that, I think, a bit. Like, on one hand, I'm, I'm not one of those people that um, has always exuded confidence in any situation in my life. I always kind of generally feel like 
I'm one day away from everybody knowing I don't have any idea what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, so I'm kind of more like, one of my, one of my, really one of well. my bosses one time <laughs> called me an insecure zealot. And I thought it was like the most accurate description. <laughs> anybody ever, I felt so known. But, you know, so, I mean, like on one hand, the, the confidence to, you know, to step into a space and know you belong, you know, that's, that's one piece of it. And when I do feel that way or I have moments where I feel that way, feels really good. I think in other times, you know, where it's not that, it's more about the courage to, you know, step into spaces and take on things that you feel really passionate about. And so I'm always, I'm always kind of more grateful to be courageous and then, you know, hoping the confidence somewhat follows. But I think, you know, p- playing sports, I would say I, I probably didn't really think that much once I got into, I would say probably my career. I didn't really think that much um, when I would go into rooms or be trying to accomplish something. I didn't think that much about my gender. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm very, I'm glad I'm a woman, but I don't, I don't have that in my head first. You know what I mean? I have like a bunch of other stuff in my head first. Like, what are we trying to do? What role can I play in this? Am I passionate about it? Do I, what do I think of the people I'm going to be doing? You know, my, the, my gender identity is, I'm sure, in there somewhere, but it, I don't lead with it. Um, and I think over the years, that part has been actually beneficial. You know, like if I was somebody that was stepping into spaces that, yeah, for the most part, same as what you guys described uh, early in my career, mostly men in, I mean, probably some businesses, that's not the case, but I was in technology and, and consumer electronics, which was almost all, at least in the beginning, you know, it was mostly men that were in technology. And I think if I would have had that as my first lens, I probably would have felt a little more maybe like I didn't belong or more insecure. And that, that is another place where I think sports and competing um, and knowing what it feels like to carry anxiety but still perform, um, I think that's where it benefited me a lot. And so for a long time, I would kind of dismiss it when people would talk about, you know, gender. Like mm-hmm. I just didn't really, I didn't want that to be the lead story. Um, but I think over time, in my own mind, there became room for both of those points of view to live together. You know, on one hand, not leading with my own gender, not looking for whether I'm going to be successful based on my gender, not looking for whether other people are accepting me because of my gender or not, but really looking more contribution, mission, you know, performance, you know, am I delivering? (laughs) Um, But I also think it, it really does matter to a lot of people. And in certain ways make it easier for people if they can also see themselves in some way in somebody that's in a job that they might want to do. I don't think, by the way, women have a corner on that market. I really don't. I don't think any gender has a corner on that market. I think, you know, you, you, you're, you're looking at any space you're in trying to figure out, and I think guys do this too, you know, trying to figure out whether you can be successful or what's it going to take to be successful. And so to have a pretty wide range of of people in the roles or role models doing it that give lots of choices for people to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I can kind of see myself in that. I, I have come to believe is really important and a really important part of, of what we all and a lot of other people do. I mean, I think it is really important that people that are watching you or listening to you, girls, boys who may themselves wonder, geez, I mean, that seems really like stressful. Could I do that? You know, finding something in your style, your personality, your gender, your background, your way of relating that makes it seem like, yeah, 
they can do that job. I think the same would 100% be true for coaching at an elite level where you, you know, you just want to do it in a way where a wide range of people could see themselves in it. Um, and I get, that's how I think about it. That's how I think about this job. I mean, I've said it to these guys. Like, I really want to do this job in a way that everybody at the club in some way could see themselves doing it. And that does nothing but benefit the club, benefit the sport, and hopefully benefit them because it, you know, opens up a much wider aperture for who can end up in these jobs, including women, um, and also maybe including people who didn't grow up in sports or somebody who maybe doesn't look like leadership out of central casting, you know, like whatever <laughs> that is. You know what I mean? So to me, there's a little bit of room for both sides of it, you know, like who you are, what your style is, your background, your gender, that matters because those are all different ways people might be able to see themselves in it. But, you know, it's broader than that too. Well, and I think it's so important that point you make that that was kind of in, in maybe farther back in your mind when you walked into a room versus on the forefront. And I don't know that, I think that's part of even just having the confidence is you just, you just claim you don't always necessarily have the most confidence or that's, you know, something that you're not always the highest on. But I think that knowing that that aspect is not in the forefront of your mind. That that to me is confidence in just what you're doing in that space and why you belong in that space is that that's not in the top of your brain that you're going to walk in a room and go, oh, I wonder what people are going to think because I'm a woman that's, you know, leading a company or I'm a woman that's coach of, of a team or whatever it might be. I think that um, have, have either of you ever felt where you've been in a space where you maybe need to navigate it a little differently or felt like you maybe had to prove yourself a little more than maybe someone sitting next to you at a table that's not a female? You know, to like a respect I mean, I factor. I don't like know that I thought, I will say, I mean, well, I talked to you about this early on. Um, when I was first coming into this role, I wasn't really sure how the, it wasn't the, it wasn't my gender in this particular case. It was the fact that I hadn't, I hadn't played soccer and I didn't come from sports. And so on the part of it, that was the part of the job that I knew would be, you know, leading people, figuring out like, who are we serving? What's the mission? What are we, that I felt like, well, I can, I can figure that out. Um, but the part of it that was, you know, like how, like, will people throw me to the mat the first 10 seconds in because I didn't grow up in sports? Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I felt that, I mean, I felt that coming into this job. But it does come back to the same things we've been talking about, at least for me. You know, is it, to me, the questions first are, are you, are you passionate about it? Do you think you have something to give in whatever you're going to do? Do you think you're going to learn? Do you like the people you're going to be doing it with? And then what do you, how do you see yourself in that? And for me, I never really see myself in any of those things as I have to have all the answers to everything. I mean, it's, it, it, it sounds cliche now based on what we're talking about, but it is a team sport. Like, life is a team sport. And so I think maybe the confidence comes from, well, I mean, if I don't know it, somebody around me will know it. And so the job is more about getting the right people around and getting them in the right places to answer the questions and choosing when, when you should lead and when you should follow. And so the only way you really fail in that scenario is if you don't have the right mix of people around you or you decide you're not going to listen to them. So I think, at least for me, that's how I overcome the times when, it's, when, when I myself don't feel like, I mean, 
I wasn't going to make a good counter-argument for you. Yeah, yeah, I've, I have lots of sports expertise. Let me, let me give I you my back, softball batting average okay, from nine. Okay, but I go back to you. You know what I'm saying, though? We've so, had this conversation about when you were the head of legal. Yeah, at Best But Buy, you don't have a law degree. Which people, like, like, people are like, what are they doing Buy. over there? Yeah, no, I did. Like that, but, but, but that I did. Is, I mean, that I was responsible for legal, and I'm not a leadership. And your qualities, you know what I mean? Like it's it, back to the team sport aspect, having the good good people around you and, and the right people leaning on others, but you have qualities as a leader in a certain space or whatever it might be. Like I just think it really comes down more to the individual than necessarily whatever your title might be. Yeah. Does and that I make think sense? It's, I think it's, you know, like I never think, well, I'm a female and so I'm leading this team and there's a different pressure. I think as leaders, we feel pressure. We all want to do well. We yeah. want to do our jobs well. We want to hire the right people around us. We want to work together. And so I, I don't think that's gender specific. I think that's leader specific. I think if you don't feel pressure, then you're probably not in the right space or in the right position. So I don't think I, I, I think I agree with you. I never looked at it as a gender thing, more of, okay, I, I have this job at Minnesota and it's my dream job and I want to do an outstanding job. And, you know, I'm sure you want to do an outstanding job right. here. So um, that's just the pressure. But I think it made me think of you talking about youth sports and all the characteristics and traits we learn by playing youth sports. Mm -hmm. And I think bringing it back to that, I, I feel, I guess, really thankful that Title IX happened because it just gave women more opportunity to, to I guess, have experience with those oh, I completely agree with that. And so that having that growth in Title IX and just giving women more opportunity has just given us more opportunity to have females that are leaders that work together, that are courageous, and have the attributes that you want in successful industries. I was just going to ask you that when we talk about the positive influence of sports – and, you know, for a long time, maybe we saw it, but then when National Girls and Women in Sports Day came about and the whole part of the purpose of creating it was so others would feel that they could be involved in sports so they could have a connection to that positive influence, things that you gain from it. Was there anything in your mind, any specific example where you remember whether it's watching a training session or participating in one as a player or any part of your career path that something clicked in you or you're like an aha kind of a moment where this is why I do this. You know what I mean? Like where you see something, maybe it's at a camp where it's younger players, whatever it might be where you're like, wow, this is why I do this. You know, this is why I love having this job and being able to have an influence and, in, you know, as a role model with other girls and women. Oh my gosh. There are so many moments. I think, I think every day there's a moment when I'm coaching our team and you see someone improve at a skill or you see someone get an internship in the summer that they're so excited about. I think that's, that's why we do this for the reward of, of that, I guess, achievement within the individuals on our team. And I don't know if I can think of an exact moment. I mean, I think growing up, what the, the 99 World Cup at the Rose Bowl, you're, you're kind of like, wow, women's sports is arriving. And I Just wanna, a reminder, though, that game was on tape delay and not even shown live. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like, isn't that crazy to think now, like looking back at the women's national team, that even in that moment at a sold-out Rose Bowl in the United States, that game wasn't even shown live. But that, I mean... 
that that game and those women are. When we were at the women's national team game in the fall at, at Allianz, Aaron was comparing and contrasting that we're you know we're standing yeah. there looking at this like completely full stadium just rocking it, and even after the game was over, the stadium is still full. The vibe is unbelievable. Aaron was like, "Oh my god!" Like the compare and contrast of this versus even the Rose Bowl. And at the time, we thought, "My God, it's really arriving!" Like just like what you guys have seen in the sport in your lifetime. I, I mean, it, that seems amazing to me. That game was incredible because it was a retirement game for Carly Lloyd. And I went to retirement games for for Brandy and for Mia and for Julie in L.A. And there was a good crowd, but it, it wasn't like this. And so, and they were icons in the sport. And Carly's an icon too. But it the growth is just incredible. And that environment this fall, I was... I mean, I was there with my daughters, and for them to be able to witness that, even if, you know, one of my daughters plays soccer, one of them doesn't play soccer, she likes volleyball, I know nothing about volleyball, but I'm like, great, this is great. But I think um, for them to see that is just incredible, and that, and that's how it should be, right? It should be equal, it should be them seeing men achieve great things and women achieve great things. Yeah. And I love your point about, you know, it's not necessarily about the gender. It's about doing the job. And maybe I, you know, I have tons of coaches that are males that I think, wow, they do a really good job of this. Or I have quotes that male coaches have said that I really identify with. So I love that point that you brought up earlier about, you know, I just see something in someone and say, I think I have a little of that style and could my, see myself yeah. in that role. But I think your point, though, too, about like your daughters being able to see, I don't think it's just true for athletes, but that's a really good example of it where, you know, your daughter's seeing you could do, if this is what you want to do and you have the skill to do it, you can do it at this level. And I think in, in that way, having examples for young girls, that's that's the place where, uh, you know, I think as I've gotten older, I have more of an appreciation for why the specific examples matter too. That that have a whole generation of kids. I'm sure I have to believe this was true. With, I mean, even if you just stayed within soccer, I mean, you guys have been in it, but don't you think as you've watched soccer evolve over the last couple of decades, that way more young girls somewhere along there, and maybe maybe it is with you know one of the other earlier national teams started thinking, geez, you know, maybe I could do this. I mean, well, just, I think just, the, probably, you know, just the involvement in soccer after that would suggest that it's true, that more kids saw themselves being able to do that and thinking that would be a really cool thing to do. Yeah, and if you look at some of the young players that are on the national team now, if we're focusing on them specifically, they probably watched Carly Lloyd. You know, I mean, right, because right. she played yeah. for so long and she was so great. But the other thing, too, is when we talk about females versus, you know, males. I mean, I know a lot of young boys that went to that game and that have gone to, you know, a lot of games and that have this appreciation and a respect for, you know, women and girls that are in sports that are at these high level positions and they're leaders and they're they set goals and the accomplishment accomplish them. So whether it's sports or something else, yeah. I know I have a. a a, a girl that plays on Addie's team, she has an older brother, and he left that game going, I want to marry her. And her mom was like, <laughs> his mom was like, well, did you see that other name on the back of the jersey when she took it off? Like, she's Oh, honey, that's so cute. That ship has sailed. <laughs> yeah, that ship has sailed, but like that, that there's an appreciation for strong women, 
whatever path they choose, right? I mean, whether it's sports, whether it's something else, whatever they choose to to go into, that there's like not an intimidation factor, but there's a respect and an appreciation for um, women and what they're accomplishing in young girls. And I absolutely am a firm believer in the if you see it, you can be it concept, whatever that might be, because I think um, I think sometimes it's hard for women in the in the roles where you are put on this not not on a pedestal, but in in a light where we're talking about women in certain industries to embrace that because not always are the women in those roles want that kind of attention, but embracing it in the sense that there are other young women and girls that are looking at you and saying those exact things. I can do that. I can be that. I can, if I work hard at whatever it might be doing, that I can be in that position someday. And I think that's, that is really important for, for girls in different, different avenues of life, whatever it might be. Well, the funny, um, you bringing, bringing that up about the boy wanting to marry her, there was also, I mean, one of the most common Halloween costumes was Megan Rapino, and yes. there were so many boys that dressed up as Megan yeah. Rapino because of the, I think it was the World Cup. Probably I think it was the France. World Cup, yeah. And that, you know, they just were like, mm-hmm. "She's so good at soccer, mm-hmm. and I'm going to dress up like that because that's an idol or a role model for me." So I, I think it's. Um, absolutely true and I always think well gosh their parents are doing a good job Mm -hmm. of showing how important women's sports are and that you can look up to a male or a female regardless of of what you are yeah have you had any um specific examples Sherry of uh, a leadership moment you know I I asked Aaron about like a, a like an aha moment or sometime when in throughout your career whether it's in your prior time with Best Buy or whether it's back at the sporting goods store in Michigan <laughs> or you know now with Minnesota United where you're like this is why I do what I do this is I love seeing this yeah um they're usually um they're usually moments where you know in all these in all these leadership jobs, the, the the primary objective is to get the right culture and environment where you you know you have people in roles who understand what you're trying to get done, and they know that the primary job of leadership is to get the people around them to be the biggest and best version of themselves, and have them in a role where the role matches what their gifts are and where it's super clear how that role contributes to the ultimate outcome you're trying to get as a team. And that is, that is 99.9% of anybody's leadership job. Um, and, you know, sometimes you're in environments where that's not embedded yet, you know, where there's other models of what people think leadership is, you know. They think it's some other way of using power. They think it's being the smartest person in the room, they think, you know, it's, it's like more of a kind of old school, I would call it, um, ineffective, but old school kind of version of what leadership is. And so for, I think for most of my career, it's been, I mean, you guys already know this now, but I don't have that many plays in my playbook. So you just, you just keep <laughs> seeing the same, you keep seeing the same plays run. And this is one of them. And I think the, the rewarding aspects of seeing people kind of embrace that part of leadership um, and then seeing how somebody's contribution goes from a little more limited than what it could be to something gigantic because, you know, we've changed the way we think about our job and it's showing up for somebody in a way that they feel appreciated, they know they're appreciated, they know their skills matter, 
they they know their contribution matters and you immediately can almost physically see it you know like I was going to say that they're yeah. a bigger per mm-hmm. bigger version of themselves so i would say every single time i feel on the inside like okay all right good job sherry <laughs> um it's it's when one of those moments shows up you know at an individual level I just had one i was doing um well you know i'm doing one on ones with all the all the people that work at the club i'm almost done but i had one on friday and i was talking to somebody that works with our, our corporate sponsorship team. And he was, you know, we did, we're learning about his life and his skills and what he's trying to get done. And, but in that, he was talking about the person that, you know, is his, is his quote-unquote manager right now, Jeff, and what Jeff's leadership has meant to him. I mean, and he's the same guy. You know, that's the point. He's like the same guy in five different contexts. But working with Jeff, he's a big version of himself and contributing and feeling great about his career. And so, yeah, that it, it's like that. that. That one happened last Friday. You know, and when I left Best Buy, um, I got, like, the most amazing gift. You, you just, these are things where you just don't, you don't really deserve them. You just are on the end of grace. But um, when I announced I was leaving, people were, like, from, you know, in the store. I mean, I had been there a long time, so I knew, knew a lot of people. But, and I knew a lot of people in the stores. And so I just started getting all these emails from people in stores. Like, I remember when you were in our store on this one day and you did – and I was, you know, trying to respond to him. And Kim uh, was my assistant at Best Buy forever. And she just said, Sherry, don't, I mean, you can respond to him, but there's no way you can take all these in right now. So I'm just going to print them out for you, um, which she did. And then, like, whatever it was, like six months later, I got a spiral-bound book of all the notes from people. Um, and they were all like that. They were all like what we're talking about. You know, they weren't. You know, hey, remember that one holiday when you guys put together that killer ad strategy and, you know, we grew revenue 95%, you know, there was, the outside world would care about that. And, you know, that's part of the deliverable of the job, but there was nothing like that. It was all exactly what we're talking about. You know, moments where the way we interact with one another um, gives people a view or gives a person a view into what's possible. Um, in themselves and what their possible contribution should could be, and so for me it's it's those, um, and then the opposite is true too. When it's not in the case, I'm crabby and mildly enraged. So you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. So so both sides of that are true. Like I love it. it; makes me so happy when I see it, and when I don't see it, I yeah, I'm like the head blow off emoji. So yeah. Yeah. There was a reason why that emoji was created. Yes, I, I think agree. all of us probably <laughs> right. use it more than we'd like to admit. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, Aaron, if I were to go uh, inside your, you know, diary that's sitting on your night table or whatever it might be, or your goals and objectives board, what what would be on it, or what would you suggest people put on it for a, a young woman that wants to be? confident that wants to be a leader that wants to just feel good about themselves it doesn't even have to be in sports but if you had to kind of go back to your younger self and look ahead and say this is what I did write down this is what I would write down whatever it might be what would you say yeah I I mean I think the biggest piece of advice I can think of is to work for the right people as you go through your career totally and well what if you're stuck in a spot that's not find it (laughs) maximize it sometimes that might mean you're sacrificing financial it Mm -hmm. might mean you're moving somewhere you don't want to move but I have been so fortunate with and I think I've been purposeful also Mm -hmm. about who I've worked for and what I wanted to learn and what I'm not good at so who I need to work for to learn what I'm not good at and then 
to hire people at that are better at things than you are just because you know I think about my staff right now I've got an awesome staff and I delegate like they do things they are coaching they are doing meetings they are recruiting and they are in charge of things because I think that's so valuable for their growth and I also think it sends a right message to our team about um, I've hired really capable people to coach you and to help you grow and you need to listen to them and learn from them and they're different from me and and that's good too but I think working for the right people who do it the right way has been something that I just feel really grateful that I've done. Um, so I think that's my biggest piece of advice. And, you know, and I, I think then you're in rewarding environments and you're appreciated and you're learning and you're challenged. And they're doing exactly what Sherry said, which is, you know, they're building you up so you're the best ver- version of yourself. And that confidence just grows. And then when you do get to your end goal or your end objective, you feel as prepared as you can, knowing that you're still gonna have challenges and you're still going to struggle and you're still gonna have days where you have that emoji. (laughs) But you're also, you know, you're ready. You're ready and and you can deal with those moments. So I think that would probably be what I have written down um, along with, a ton of other things, a grocery list, uh, how do I be a good mom and be good at my job and how do I balance everything? But certainly for me, it's always been all about the people. Sherry? Um, uh, yeah, I do think um, environment and culture matter way more than the specific job you're in at points in time. Um so that would be one piece of advice, like look for the right environment and culture and don't be overly focused on what the job is initially because you can usually do a lot of different jobs in, in environments. I think to the the point you were making though a minute ago, like what if you're in an environment where that it's not that? I would say I've also probably learned as much, maybe it's about what I don't want to be as a leader or, um, you know, what the impact is of not really trying hard to be the best leader you can be. Like when you're on the receiving end, you know, of somebody who's the opposite of what we're talking about, there's a lot to be learned in that too. Um, I think it's just a matter of if, if that's the environment all the time and it's imp- oppressive and you can't change it, you know, then you have to, you do have to get out of it. Um, but I would say I've learned a lot in environments like that too. I think in terms of advice, um, I mean, this, I don't know if I would have taken this advice if I would have said it to myself, but it is true. I think I would say it's going to work out, you know, like trust that your life is going to work out. So like if you assume first it's going to work out, then what might you do differently along the way if you, if you knew it was going to work, you know? And I think in that sense, I probably would have, you know, maybe seen the world a little bit less as, a fixed size pie where the more you get, the less I get. And I might've seen it more as, you know, there's, there's enough for all of us. You know, we can, we can kind of grow it. It's not a, life is not a zero sum game. Um, so I probably hopefully would have learned that a little sooner if I would have taken my own, um, advice. There probably would have been a lot, um, earlier on in my career where the competition would have been turned hopefully outward rather than, you know, inward where you feel like you have to be better than somebody else to, you know, to try to grow your career, to try to, to make a point. Um, 
it probably took me a longer time um, to learn um, that this really is about, <laughs> truly is about the, the relation, the things that we all do together to try to do meaningful things. It's a little bit more about all of that than it is did I drive some particular outcome, you know, in, in some moment. Um, so, I, you know, but I, I, I'm, as soon as I'm listening to myself say it, and in my mind it's like, yeah, but all of that comes with life experience. You know, it just comes, there's just some things I think you, you can only learn by driving the car and getting dents in the fenders. You know, it doesn't matter what somebody tells you. Um, so, I mean, I guess I would have told myself that, like, it's going to work out. So like, try to, <laughs> try to leave more room for other people a little earlier on. Um, but you know, I think it goes back to though, a little bit to that whole team concept and what sports really drives. And if you look at your lives and, and the different paths that you've taken to get where you are, and regardless of what the team is that's around you, whether it's in business or whether it's in actual sports or whatever it might be, Think about those relationships still to this day and maybe certain people or teams, you know, in that regard that have carried you through to those positive moments, you know, and I feel like that was one of the things I took away from sports. And sometimes until you go through really difficult, hard times or challenging times, it's those people, that team that you've surrounded yourself with that sort of gets you through it. And I think that's another one of those things that can just be is so beneficial for girls and, and women in sports to, to have that support system, kind of that built in um, support system. There's this organization in the Twin Cities, and I think it's nationwide, called Girls on the Run. And it's all yeah. these, I mean, the stuff they put out there in the, in the group and they get together and they have these coaches and they go through these worksheets before every session. And so much of it is just about confidence and feeling good about yourself. And, you know, they, it's not just about sports, but they run a little bit. They do a little, you know, yeah. some other things, some physical activity in the midst of it. And I think that that's kind of what life is like. You know, you kind of have a checklist and you go through it and you find out where you're at and how you're doing like mentally and emotionally on the day. And you have this support group that helps carry you through. And I think that's what so much of what, you know, sports has taught me. And, and I think that's what we try to like pass on to do as you, a role model. Do you guys think that if, um, I mean, you've talked a lot about confidence. Do you think if we had all grown up, you know, in a time when social media was, you know, as, <laughs> I mean, as dominant as it is, I mean, you know, like, I don't know about you guys, but like when I was growing up, I mean, people could say whatever they wanted to say about me, but they didn't have scale in saying it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and they, they probably didn't say, they it, to didn't say it to my face either. Yeah, yeah. So do you, th do you think if you were, you know, just starting out in your life and in sports and thinking about the way your career went in that kind of context, like what, how would you have navigated it? I mean, what would you do? You know, that's a that's a tricky one because I think this <laughs> social media is a bit scary um, because I think, you know, maybe something happened at school or on the field that day and you could go home and kind of right. get rid of it. Right. But now everything follows you everywhere. Right. Um, and, so, I mean, and anybody can give you feedback. Yes. On, I mean, yes. Well, and the, especially for the younger generations. And I think, again, that's why the girls and the women in sports and we talk about all these different avenues for them to develop this confidence yeah. and just feel good about themselves and outlets to communicate and share their feelings is so important because I think that it's a different generational thing of what they're inundated with now. It's one thing to take that in as an adult, whether yeah. it's me as a broadcaster or you as a coach, you as a CEO, whatever it might be. It's one thing to be able to take that in and try to navigate any sort of criticism that might come our way. But I, I think about those younger generations and 
Makes me a little, <laughs> makes do, me a little bit nervous. Do you see it with your players? Like, I mean, have you even seen it in the time you've been coaching where, I mean, is it is it dramatically more difficult for them to, you know, kind of stay true to who they are and not lose themselves in all of it given the context or not, not, not so much? I think it is. I do. I, I think especially for females, I, I think it is. It's just um, that confidence piece is the piece that I always go back to where – you're looking on social media and you're seeing this version of someone that really isn't their true version. Right. And you're comparing yourself to that. Right. Exactly. And so I think that's the biggest challenge, that comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's smart. And I think, thank God we have sports because I, you know, they have their team and their team loves them and their team thinks they're awesome and their team celebrates them. So if they do compare, they always have that safer space with, within their team that I feel like it's almost more important now with all the social yeah. media to have that piece. That's why I always say when I talk to just even parents that are friends with my daughter, or, you know, if they ask for sports advice, I always say, well, just make sure they're in a team sport. Mm -hmm. You know, even if they're really good at an individual sport, make sure they also do the team sport because that's the piece where you're just on this journey together, and everything feels better when you're on a team. I mean, if, even if you think in our realm, like, if you 100%. accomplish something on your own, mm -hmm. it's great and good for you. But if you accomplish something as a team, I'm seeing someone else do something awesome. They're seeing me do something awesome, and we're all on this journey together, and it just feels more rewarding. Everything mm -hmm. feels better when you're on a team. I, totally, that is so, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I just, mm -hmm. you know, I think about all our – you know, I think about, I guess, players I've coached that have gotten these unbelievable individual accolades and they're an All-American. And you'll ask them, well, what's your greatest memory? It's never that I was an All-American. Mm -hmm. It's, oh, remember that game when we right. came back yes. from three goals down? And we, it, it's moments that are team moments. So I think, you know, the social media makes it really, really hard um, with the comparison. And I... I wish there was a way to solve that, but I think the biggest way is just team sports and surround yourself with with great teammates and great people that build you up and don't tear you down. And women can be really critical of women mm -hmm. in general, yep. more so mm -hmm. than they're critical of men. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I think it's this... So weird. It, weird. it starts at a young age for some reason where for girls can just be mean. So if yes. we could just be, yes. um, I, I agree with you. If actually. we could just yes. say, look at her getting yes. it done mm -hmm. instead of something critical. I yep. think that would serve our daughters. Well, mm -hmm. it would serve the younger community. Well, um, so I hope we see a kind of a change in that. I think that's very wise. Yeah. I, I honestly, I think that especially as I transition to the broadcast world, I, I felt like that. That's very easy for people to pick at you and tear each other down. Or if a, a female gets a yeah, I probably job, should have asked you. It wasn't even like when you were a kid. I mean? What's like, it like now to yeah, be doing yeah, your job exactly, in social yeah. media? So um, I, I I I believe in that wholeheartedly. Just building each other up. You know, I think it's so important because people are very quick to criticize online or on, on social media. I should say and. Um, I think it's all about building each other up and not tearing each other down. It's so important. And it, it, if we can instill that at a much younger age, then by the time they get to where we're at today, it'll be a heck of a lot easier to navigate that. Any other um, parting thoughts or words of wisdom if you 
have any or funny stories, like a, a hilarious moment that's happened you along the way? I've got one actually. Do it. Okay, yeah. so this let, no, let us interview so this, you finally. No, so, no. Kira, <laughs> no. Aaron and I would like to ask no, you no, no. whether you've had any hilarious moments along the way. Okay, so this is a really funny one, and this just came up recently because I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Waste Management Phoenix Open. In, yes. Uh, the golf tournament, you know, with the the grandstands right. and it's kind of like happy Gilmore the anti-golf tournament golf yes, tournament exactly yes. and it's well some good people watching there but um the women in like the stilettos trying to walk on the grass it's, it's an interesting concept but um so I remember golfing the for the first time in the media round aspect of it they let the media come out and golf you know and we're like all going to get in our carts and I'm walking to my car because I'm part of the media I worked for ESPN radio at the time in, in Phoenix and this guy starts giving me his drink order he thought I was one of the beer cart girls, and I was just like my mind, like my brain, like my head, like, almost. It was one of those blown. You're off, like, like, thanks a lot, dude. Yeah, like okay, bud. Just because I'm like the only female, and we had a lot of great female reporters in in Phoenix. I mean, um, but it was just one of those moments. And now I can laugh about it, but at the time, you're kind of like, you know, looking at him like, what, what? Why would you just assume because I'm out here, you know, to golf that, or I'm out on a golf course, that would be one of the beer cart girls. So that was my, that was one of my funny moments. Do you guys have any funny moments? Oh gosh. That, that's not going to throw anybody under the bus. My, we'll end on something My light. life does not have me go into <laughs> golf tournaments as a broadcaster where. No, but there's got to be something funny. You walk into some big meeting somewhere and nothing. <laughs> I would say, I don't know if it was funny, but it, it does. I mean, it did kind of happen a lot, which is just, I think, mostly good for your ego. You know, where, like, you know, to keep your ego in check. You know, where <laughs> I would like, you know, this is going. No, it's really like, you know, after like 26 years, and I'm, I mean, these guys, at, the team at Best Buy has got to be sick of my mug. <laughs> everywhere you know and i would be i would walk into a store you know to do a store visit or something and people be like can we help you ma'am <laughs> it's like well i, mean, I, I, I work with you guys yeah. <laughs> i'm in charge of sort of this team hey, here I, I wear i wear a blue shirt too you know like on one hand it's like it's you know but it, i feel like these things are kind of this like good reality checks mm-hmm. that everybody deals with in their lives you know of yep. like it's not okay, bad. you know You're exactly. Yes, you know, exactly. it's just like you know. Let's just, let's just not get carried away with ourselves, okay? <laughs> let's just let's just keep it real. Check the ego at the door. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> right past do, the do, but you do better life work the, in that way, anyway. Yeah, exactly. No, no question about it. I can't think of like hilarious examples, but I can think of this season. You know, my first season at Minnesota, so I'm like, okay, figuring out my game day outfits. And, you know, all <laughs> yes. the all the stuff that really isn't that important, but you, you're kind of like, okay, mm-hmm. here we go. And I remember, like, I had a good outfit on, I thought, and I always wear a baseball hat yeah. just because of the sun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Maya, my assistant, one of my assistants, like, looked at me and she's like, looking at me, I'm like, okay, there's something wrong. <laughs> like, there's definitely, I've got something not going on. And she's like, your hat is crooked. <laughs> like, can you please let me fix your hat? Because it's always crooked. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why is this the first time you're telling me this? Fix my hat, please. So we're really not that cool. Um, and we do need, you know, egos in check often. So I think, um, you know, it's fun to laugh with with your kind of team of people, I always think. Well, and that's the other thing, right, is if you can't laugh at yourself, then you're in big trouble. Oh, for like sure. Like, if you can't make fun of yourself, yeah. laugh at yourself, not take yourself too seriously, you know, and I think that's another 
another really good message that can trickle down, you know, to the younger generations. As we're talking about role models, don't ever, just don't fret. Just, it's easy for us to say now, but in those moments, you know, you think the world is ending and the sky is falling. Mm-hmm. Just, you just have to kind of go with the flow and, and go with it. That's my thought. A belly laugh a day seems like that's yes. about the right equation. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, one, one just little letter rip just makes, <laughs> makes everything seem like it's somehow just a little bit more manageable. Yes. So maybe that, that's maybe the advice I should have given my young self. Just like one belly laugh a day, Sherry, it has to be totally legit. Like it has to unfurl. <laughs> It'll be okay. Everything's more manageable that way. I agree. Well, thank you. Great. Yes, it is. And it, you, if you think about it, sometimes I can count on one hand maybe how many times it happens like in a week or a month. Yeah, that's, that's no that's good. That's not good. That's, no, we're not, that's gotta, not what we're going for. It's got to be. So if it means I have to laugh at myself more, then more power to it. Then I'm, I'm good with that. So, well, thank you ladies for both joining me. I know this was, um, I know we all appreciate this day. We respect this day. We're excited about this day, February 2nd, this year of 2022 to celebrate National Girls and Women in Sports Day. And then of course the 50th anniversary of Title IX. There's going to be hashtags flying out there with um, this podcast as well. So we can make sure to emphasize that and really continue to build each other up and, and build up the younger generations and Everybody just be confident. I think that's the the best message that we can all send. Awesome. Thank you, Kendra.